We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. Tonight we're coming to you Live on Monday night as the Bears and Vikings play in the background of this game. Uh, implications for the Giants. I really hope the Bears can pull off this win to improve the Giants draft position. And tonight we're going to go over the all 22 offensive film of the Giants win over the New England Patriots. Only 10 points on offense for the Giants, but some really big explosive plays in the air uh, via Tommy DeVito. And that's where I want to start the show real quick before we get into it, Nick. I do want to start the show with... An apology addressed to Tommy D, to Tommy DeVito, to <laughs> Let's do this it. guy. Because a couple weeks ago, I said, I'm not sure you have NFL arm talent, Tommy D. Guess what? I take it back. You do. Is it still not the greatest arm? No, of course. I mean, you wouldn't be a UDFA if you had the greatest arm. But you've got NFL arm talent, Tommy, DeVito, Tommy D. You got it. You got the NFL arm talent. We saw it on the third and 16. We saw it on the whole shot to Jalen Hyatt. That we never see a whole shot first cover too. I haven't seen one in basically five years, exception of I'm sure you'll find me one in 2019. I guess <laughs> on another podcast or 2021, a random one from week 16 or whatever. But we saw it. And you know what, Nick? I feel like he does a good job changing arm slot, throwing from different arm angles, putting velocity at times, putting touch at times on some of his throws. And so I'm willing to say I was dead wrong about his NFL arm talent, Nick. I'm also willing to say that maybe, just maybe, the Giants have something here as far as a long-term backup quarterback goes, something I wasn't willing to say after the Jets game, and I wasn't maybe willing to say after that Vegas Raiders game. And now, Nick, I might be willing to say those things because I do believe that Tommy DeVito has shown a lot. He's shown a willingness to make throws that, you know, we don't know if to see or we haven't. I felt like we haven't really seen in five years watching this football team. And now we're finally seeing someone with that gunslinger mentality. And again, I just want to make sure that it's clear that I am apologizing to Tommy D, Tommy DeVito. And I'm using this a lot now, Nick, because I just love this whole Tommy DeVito thing with his dad doing it, with the Giants fans doing it. The, the uh, You know, as you know, I've said once before on this podcast, shout out Steve Milano, one of my childhood best friends, as he quoted once, no one in the history of the universe. He said the world, but I say the universe has wanted to be Italian more than Dan Schneier. <laughs> true statement. It is a true statement. He was right at the time. He's right now. And so I'll do this a little bit and have a little fun with it. But yes, apology to Tommy DeVito. You had yourself another great, and I'm not going to say it's the most amazing game in the world, but I am apologizing for the arm talent comment because I do believe at this point, Nick, he does. And I'll say one final thing on that. Someone on my Twitter timeline, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name, said something to me today. And a comparison he had for Tommy DeVito that I freaking love, Nick. And I'm not sure if you saw this tweet, so I'll bring it up. I did not. 
Okay, then that's even better. So I'll bring this up to you now, and then I'll explain why I think it's a good comp. His comp was Case Keenum. And okay. I look at the two players, and I'm like, you know what, dude? I kind of love this comp. Same size quarterback, not tall, not big, not the biggest arm talent. Maybe Cases was a little bigger earlier in his career, especially like in the Hawaii days, but not the greatest arm talent. But that gunslinger mentality, the throw the whole shot mentality, the throw the ball down the field mentality, the, the pass up the whip route to Wando Robinson because I got Jalen Hyatt on a vert mentality. And he did that in this game. We haven't seen a, a quarterback pass up an underneath whip route on this offense in years. We saw that. And, you know, it is very Case Keenum-ish to me. And that's good, man. Like Case Keenum took the Vikings to what a conference championship game. Yep. Uh, Case Keenum, you know, has had a long career as a backup quarterback in the NFL. And so, you know, if he can be another Case Keenum, the Giants may have maybe figured out something and located somebody in this draft who can be a part of their roster as a backup quarterback moving forward, potentially. So I wanted to start there with the pod and get your any of your thoughts on that. Which is crazy because Case Keenum, I think, led the NCAA in his career at Hawaii in passing yards. Like he was a wildly productive college quarterback. Not many people thought it would translate to the NFL, but hell, he went in and he was the Kirk Cousins before Kirk Cousins with the Minnesota Vikings. And he also had some productive years, I think, with um, I think he was with the Broncos. And I pulled it up here. Let me see. Yeah, the Rams, obviously, for over 14,000 yards. But I think that's an apt comparison for Tommy DeVito. And if he could have that type of career, I'm sure he would welcome it. But right now, just as the New York Giants starting quarterback with Daniel Jones on the shelf, been very impressed with what I've seen from Tommy DeVito. And the number one thing that I'm impressed with is that ability to freaking let it rip. I yeah. absolutely love it. Let it freaking see rip. It, you, throw it. See it. Throw it. See it. Throw it. Don't be see scared. It, throw it. You brought it up, man. The Wandell Robinson whip, beautiful whip route by Wandell Robinson. I absolutely loved it. But he took the vertical. He allowed Jalen Hyatt yes. to create separation. And I don't know if he ever read. Like somebody brought it up on Twitter. I think it was Joseph Davis, who I know you've talked a Love lot of Joe. football. Yeah, I got to be honest. Joe Davis is insanely smart. You guys should all follow him. He knows more football than me, if I'm going to be honest about the situation. Nick, Joe's the man. I'm not sure of, but he definitely knows more than me. And he's coached the game. But he, you know, he's like, I'm not sure DeVito ever even read. You know, the Wandell Robinson whip around. I'm like, you know what? Looking back on the play like 10 times in a row, I'm like, yeah, I kind of think you're right on that, dude. Like, I think this dude's just reading high to low on that progression and understanding pre-snap what he has and then post-snap what he has and saying it's first and 10. I'm going to give this dude a shot, Jalen Hyde. He's mm. made enough plays for me already in this game. Let's give him another opportunity. And it was a great play by the Patriots defender, but that was close to being another explosive play. And I'd rather take my chance in an explosive play than a whip route for six yards, to be completely honest with you. I've seen a million check down whip route on backside drags from Daniel Jones in my lifetime. I can look toward something more interesting. and I'm okay taking a chance to try to hit a big play there to Jalen Hyatt. It's so funny that Tommy DeVito was the name of the character in Goodfellas, Joe Pesci's character. That was Tommy. Yeah. This Tommy DeVito plays like that. He's a gambler, <laughs> man. He's a slinger. He's a gunslinger. Spider's going to yeah. talk shit to him. He's going to shoot him multiple times and not just in the foot like the first time. He's going to shoot him multiple times. No, but Tommy DeVito, the, the Giants quarterback, Tommy DeVito, he's a gunslinger. And I absolutely love that he's taking that. He's reading high to low, not low to high. And I like that he's passing up those right. short. What do you have to lose, man? What do you have to right. lose at this point, Dan? 
Let's take and someone brought up a great point about the third and 16, which we're going to go over. It's like, why don't we see this more often? Why don't we see quarterbacks taking those shots more often on 36? We see so many times a quarterback will get into third and 16 and he'll just check it down. And that's it. He gets tackled. He, they rally. But like when you take that chance like that, maybe there'll be some interceptions, Nick. But you know what's going to happen sometimes? You're going to make the catch like you did high. You know what could also happen on some of those? Pass interference, mm. defensive holding, illegal contact. Like take the shot. I'd so much rather do that on those third and longs. And it's not even just that. He's also operating a rhythm and timing-based offense. That's a West Coast concept. Look, man, there's four plays I think I had down. The Hodgins touchdown, it it was a little bit um, not like right when he hit the back foot. But you can um, look at the coverage, and I think I have that, and we'll go over that play. It was off leverage. Anytime yes. that the that the defense was in off leverage, Tommy DeVito and the wide receiver, they were in sync. They had one play right. to Wandell Robinson where it was motion, and we'll get into the motion here in a little bit. It was motion Wandell Robinson, I think, to the field side, and then the cornerback on that side just backed off zone coverage, confirmed. Wandell Robinson just threw it. Or, I mean, uh, Tommy DeVito just threw it right to Wandell Robinson into the leverage. Just get that defensive back to back up a little bit. And then the timing is is starting to get down because we know Tommy DeVito was receiving first team reps. He wasn't receiving that during the Jets game. That's one reason why maybe we saw that conservative approach. But there was also a second and seven play to Slayton. There was a second and seven play to Jalen Hyatt at the end of the fourth quarter. All timing based. So it's not just, hey, I'm decisive and I'm a go-getter and I'm going to throw that vertical. It's also, I can play within the rhythm of the offense that Kafka and Dable lays out for me. Yeah, it's really, it's truly impressive. And I think at this point, Nick, before we get into some of the tape and some of the other observations, even before we get into some of the tape, but I think at this point, Nick, it's fair to consider that the giant, like before we question, okay, once Tyrod Taylor is healthy, can you look the locker room in the face and say, DeVito is still our starter? Or does that make you feel like you're tanking? At this point, the question is no longer, are you tanking by starting Tommy DeVito? It's, does he potentially give you the best chance to win over Tyrod Taylor? And as long as that's an open-ended question, Nick, even if the lean is from the locker room or for the coaching staff, Tyrod, I think if it's even close to 55 Tyrod, 45 DeVito, or 60 Tyrod, 40 DeVito, you stick with DeVito here because there's two reasons why. One, he's won football games. He's won two in a row. So even if he has bought himself in my opinion he's bought himself some leeway to lose a couple games here or there as long as there's a loss and another win or something like that right like the fact that he's winning games he won't be pulled for that reason maybe when he starts losing then you reconsider but the other thing here is honestly you know where i'm at nick i always think about this thing long term when it's a four and eight season and the playoffs are out of the contention so from my perspective nick and i know a lot of giants fans share this opinion that i'm about to say tyra taylor's not under contract next year he's 34 years old tommy devito is on your team he's a young UDFA rookies, probably what, 21, 22 DeVito. I don't know his exact age at this point, play Tommy DeVito rest of season, because you need to get as many reps and film of him as you can. So you can see if he can potentially be your backup quarterback of the future, or at least of next year, because again, he's under contract and Tyrod Taylor is not. So at this point, Nick, I am at the, I'm at the point of like, I don't no offense to Tyrod he's a great dude. And I ultimately believe he is better than DeVito and gives him a better chance to win. But to me, I'm more focused on the future. And as long as there's a debate in my mind with it, you know, yeah, is it DeVito? That's fair enough to keep him in. I don't think you're wrong there. I think you have DeVito lose that job at this point because he's more than likely going to be a member of your roster next season. Whereas Tyrod right. Taylor is not. I also want to talk a little bit about the game plan. And this is not a surprising one. I talked about this with uh, Chris Flum over at Big Blue View on, on our podcast, the, the Chris and Nick show at one point. I thought it was with us, but it was actually on there. I figured that Mike Kafka and Brian Dable 
knowing the Patriots defensive structure and their defensive personnel, they were just going to attack laterally the entire game. Look, you have guys like Christian Barmore, you have Dietrich Wise, you have freaking Keon White. These big ass defensive linemen who right. are like 315 pounds, 290 pounds, incredibly long, incredibly strong. You got to try to get around them. You got to try to use um, them as read defenders and basically allocate blockers to the second level, which the Giants tried to do so much with jet sweeps, with motion to screens. And Wandell Robinson, he was the impetus to this. He was the catalyst to the offense. And I know he didn't have the statistics that that Jalen Hyatt had, but from the pre-snap phase of everything, it was let's use Wando Robinson in motion, a variety of different motions, not even just to set up the passing attack, but to set up the rushing attack. They had Wando right. Robinson as a lead blocker on one of their counter runs. They had Wando Robinson remove second level defenders, expand them out laterally to open up more rushing lanes for Saquon Barkley. And we knew that the Giants, you know, they use motion with Mike Kafka. This isn't the Jason Garrett led offense. But I was still surprised to see so much motion and it used so effectively against a defensive coach and a defensive coordinator in Bill Belichick that usually adjusts well to those types of things with Tommy DeVito at the helm at quarterback. And I know the right. Patriots defense is not the reason they lost. The Giants, all 10 of their points were scored off of turnovers by that pathetic Patriots offense. By the way, I already got through the Patriots offensive film. It was yeah. the worst film. Like I thought the New York Giants offense sucked dan it doesn't not not compared to the patriots the patriots were terrible that was terrible tape but i digress a little bit i just appreciated the implementation of wandale robinson and his role in this offense man i think it's very vital and i could start to see exactly why the giants valued this guy in the second yes. round i think that's fair because these are the exact kind of game plans that when you watch the tape it's like you know, we always say this with some of the players we evaluate, Nick, where they're better on tape than they are in the box score. This is such a good example of that for Wondell Robinson. You brought us up on the last podcast that the help block that he had with Andrew Thomas. It's not just that. I mean, some of the whip routes that he's open on, the ball may not come his way, but he's still open. The motion is the key here. That really was the key factor of the entire offense, dude. It was the eye candy needed. And it worked. And like, I don't think it's a coincidence, Nick, that we saw this type of usage in this game for this game plan against this specific style of defense, because it makes sense, in my opinion, against the style of defense the Patriots are running but it still shows you what he's capable of doing beyond the box score and beyond just the catch and the stats and i said this on twitter to somebody and i'll say it again nick look we'll revisit it there will be a time because people you know we talked a little bit about joe shane i said today his best thing i think he's ever done is make that trade that leonard williams trade i mean we're gonna get a top 50 pick for that it's absolutely insane for a guy on a pending free agent you know he's not even really in my opinion that amazing of a player he's a good player i mean he's not like the greatest thing i've ever seen chase young one for a third like let's think about that you know so it's like in montez sweat for what a second so and that's a guy you resign he's a younger player he's probably better so i mean that's an incredible trade but yes, yeah, so that's a beast. And Leonard Williams at one point, I guess, was a beast. Yes, yeah, definitely was. Yeah, was good. I don't know if I was ever think he was a beast. His breakout year right before the contract that he was a beast that one year. Depends on what your standard of beastdom is. Yes. Like if your so standard, standard is beastdom. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence. Dexter then, Lawrence yeah, is a beast. Bad. That's beast yeah. to me. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that digress because it's not important. But the point being, he was like, you know, yeah, he made that trade. But what about the Rondell Robinson pick? And I'm just like, dude, in my head, I believe this. If we ever find a way to get consistent quarterback play on this roster, ever, if we can locate a quarterback in the draft, mold him, develop him, and he's a great thrower of the football and a great anticipatory thrower, and he throws to leverage, like all the things you talked about earlier, but in addition to that, he has arm talent, and he can rip balls into tight windows, and he's accurate in the ball. I think we're going to see a really big year out of Wanda Robinson at some point. I really do believe that because yes. it just shows up on tape. It's just... 
he needs to get the football in some of these spots. And obviously in some of them, he doesn't, but you know, like he can't control that. He cannot control the quarterback play. No one yet. He has more strength than I so much more than I realized. Yes. And I'll say this too. I, I called the pick peculiar was the adjective I used. Now, part of that, when the giants did select Wanda Robinson is what I'm referring to. Part of that was because the giants had Kadarius Tony on the roster. I evaluated Wanda Robinson before he was selected by the New York giants. I had no clue this guy was going to be a giant. I had him as a second round pick. So that's not an indictment on, on Joe Shane. I just thought maybe the Giants, because I wasn't evaluating him for the Giants, maybe the Giants could have used a different type of wide receiver. Now I look at it and I'm saying, I'm really glad number 17 is on this roster because I think he is a, a very good quality building block moving forward. I agree. And that's something I had to come around to, Nick, because I was not yeah. a fan of the pick at the time. And I and, and I was you know very critical of them of going with him, even over a player like George Pickens, who I like, but, and could offer probably more, but like at the same time, I just foresee in my head, Wando Robinson being a, such a big contributor at some point in his Giants career, if they can figure out quarterback and start to get more consistency there, because he does all the little things right. And like you said, he's so much tougher and more physical than I thought. I knew he was tough, you know, watching the Iowa tape and things like that. I knew he was a tough player and he makes, and he'll take a big hit and catch the ball, but I didn't realize just how physical and tough he was. So before we get into the tape, Tommy DeVito had an amazing game, right? Or, or a good game, I'll say. Good left, game. Still left a decent amount on the football field, which is yeah. every quarterback is going to do. But I wanted to highlight this because I think it's more of um, uh, I think it's more of a an ode or just a, something positive about the Giants' coaching staff because they were able to just run route concepts yes. that were just coming open against Cover One. You had to play third and ten in the second quarter with eleven forty eight. Slayton was wide open on a cover one play wide open over the middle of the field. It would have probably been a touchdown because the safety did not have leverage on the beat. Tommy DeVito had pressure, didn't release the football. There was one cover one again with a fiddle concept underneath, meaning that you had the running back releasing underneath and you had a defender on the outside and the inside of the running back goes outside. The outside defender takes him the inside defender. It's a fiddle technique. Slayton was again, open on the cross. Tommy DeVito was sacked. You had another play on second and eight in the second quarter that was missed. That probably wouldn't have went for a touchdown. Daniel Bellinger may have went for a touchdown. That was oh, yeah. second and 11 in the third quarter. You three. Yep. And then 1154 in quarter four with a second and seven Wandell Robinson split the two safeties and was just wide open off of a double move. But Tommy DeVito just didn't see him. But it just goes to show you that that one play that I'm referring to, because I don't think I have it in there. That was a designed double move in the red zone to Isaiah Hodgins. So that's why Tommy DeVito's eyes went in that direction. And that one safety maybe saw DeVito's eyes go in that direction and reacted in that manner. But if not, Wanda Robinson was wide open. So yes. the Giants coaching staff deserves their offensive coaching staff. Oh I get credit. it. They only des- they only scored 10 points. It's not a lot. But I think they still deserve a lot of credit. And there's still more meat on the bone for this team. I completely agree with you, Nick. And I'd even throw the third and two uh, with 404 left in the fourth quarter as another example of a play that they left on the bone there that Tommy Vio just didn't see and didn't process. And that's kind of the thing why you'll never know. Like at the end of the year, people will evaluate this Giants coaching staff, Mike Kafka and Brian Dable and be like, oh, my God, you guys are fans of these guys. But look at the numbers. Look at the offense. Look at the points scored. And it's like, well, can you look at the context here? Because if you really look at this game on tape, Nick, with Justin, Her- no, I'm not going to use him. He had a bad game, and people, you know, <laughs> people come at you for that one. Yeah. Let's just say Patrick Mahomes for the state. If Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback in this game, dude, I think the Giants have a 350 yard passing game at minimum in this game. At minimum, at minimum, with all the plays you just broke down. And, you know, maybe Mahomes doesn't process all those too. I was watching Rasheed Rice tape today for Beyond the Box Score, Nick. And on the big play, he scored, I believe, the 39 yard touchdown on the drag. 
Mahomes didn't see a busted coverage on that play, which is interesting, right? Marquez Valdez-Scanling is streaking down the left sideline there on a vertical route. Totally blown coverage there by Patrick Graham's Raiders defense. And by the way, watching that tape, Graham is just so aggressive with rolling with coverage right from the field side. It wasn't just the Giants. Like, he's doing it against Mahomes at times. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? But on that specific play, Mahomes didn't process it. So it's going to happen for all quarterbacks. But there were so many yards left on the bone in this game still. And that's been the case under this regime's entire tenure, in my opinion, both dating back to last year in 2022 in the passing game and then this year throughout, no matter who's been the quarterback. The exception, in my opinion, of basically Tyrod, I really didn't feel like Tyrod left much on the bone. I think Tyrod took those shots a lot and what was there he gave, but he as well missed some processing. I mean, every quarterback's going to, like you said, that's the key, but um, just, just great note by you that this game plan was on point and there were great route combinations to get receivers open. This is the third week in a row too, that Tommy DeVito has found a way to carve up cover two defense. Oh yeah, baby. The third week in a row. And I don't even think I remember Opposing defense, and I could be wrong, I don't have the stats in front of me. Opposing defense is running cover two as much as they are I, running against Tom. I can't remember it. And he you is finding Jones, that honey hole. That, right? Against Jones or against Tyrod. Or Tyrod yeah. right. I'm not yeah. saying that as an indictment on Daniel Jones, even though uh, apparently I'm a huge Daniel Jones hater, according oh, to. What are you talking about? The way. one guy who responded to you today? Yeah. Now, there's a couple, but it, it, it's, it's an there's insane. So you made the mistake. You need to start using that mute button. Oh my I don't, god. I don't mute. I don't mute anybody. Oh my god, what a disaster. I used to not mute. Mute is the greatest thing in Twitter history. Just the greatest thing there is. I my mute count is just building. I give people chances, Nick. I give people chances. You do. They they, they put their bullshit out there. I respond to them. If they still say rash, stay irrational throughout and just act like total assholes, you're done. You're muted. You keep just spewing into the ether. Have your fun talking your shit about Dan Schneier on Twitter and replying. Guess what? Other people will read it. That sucks, but I ain't reading it anymore. And I'm not gonna <laughs> worry about it. My mute count is at an all-time high. I'm just ripping mutes at this point. I give people less of a leash than I've ever given them. You want to be an asshole? You're muted. You want to be irrational? You're muted. So, but I give you a chance. I always, like, you know, respond back. Dan's like Marcus Aurelius. He's one of the fair emperors of Twitter, <laughs> giving people <laughs> chances. It's funny, though. Those people who are calling you Daniel Jones haters are probably also calling me that, but I just have them yeah. muted, so I have to deal with it. <laughs> it, it is what it is, but, again, right. not a huge deal. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just something that I have appreciated with Tommy DeVito at quarterback, though, because we haven't seen a lot of throws towards the sideline where there is that soft spot between the flat defender right. and and that deep half safety. And the thing is, this coaching staff can really construct and develop a lot of route combinations to attack that part of the field when defenses do want to align in cover two. And you might see a little bit more cover two when you have Jalen Hyatt out in the field because teams right. are starting to be threatened by Jalen Hyatt. And it's not just like, hey, this guy's running a vertical route and he's getting open. It's his release off the line of scrimmage. It's his initial stem. It's how he's accelerating out of certain breaks. This is now, what, three or four consecutive weeks where we have seen plays where you're like, even if the ball's not thrown to him, you're like, damn, dude, he is coming open here and he is blowing past this cornerback who isn't a no name, you know, dipshit. past these corner cornerbacks. And, and God, by the way, there's the fourth factor in there, or the fifth, whatever many you called out there, Nick, but the final factor in that too, which is really important as to why, you know, defenses are going to play the giants differently, as you just mentioned and respect Jalen Hyatt and, and scheme around him is the final factor, which is he's cashing in too. He's making these hands catches. He's turning these into not just routes where we're like, Oh shit, he got open, but he dropped the ball or oh shit. He didn't get his feet in bounds on that one. He caught it, but, it's like every freaking time, dude, he makes the catch with his hands. 
and drags or tap toes the feet in. It's like insane right now the hit rate he's had as far as those go. Like I'm expecting him. He should have dropped one or either dropped one by now or, you know, didn't tap the toe in or the fits out of bounds by now. Like that's expected. He's a rookie. He's not Randy Moss. Like I'm expecting some misses. I know Giants fans are like, anytime anyone drops it, it's the end of the world. Can you believe it? But, you know, you can expect some mistakes from a receiver, but he really hasn't made that many mistakes given the oppor- with his opportunity, Jalen Hyatt. He's going to be the star of the show today, by the way, when we get to the 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think he dropped like his first NFL target against Dallas in garbage time. Well, that's going to happen sometimes. Oh, yeah. I do remember that now, that garbage time drop. I do remember that. (laughs) And I also just loved in just typical, predictable New York Giants fashion, the two screens that they attempted to run. Oh, my God. Disasters, dude. Screens, bro. They got to take them out. I just it's just sickening how bad we are at running screens at this point. It's as nonsensical. It makes no sense to be this bad. It really doesn't. It doesn't make that like how are we just did you see the chart on Twitter that circulated a couple weeks ago about you had to uh, maybe I did, but it was a while ago. <laughs> it was a it was Arjun or something. It was like last week. Did a chart on screen passes. The Giants were so far <laughs> in their own tier in the bottom left of that chart, which is you know the you think about a chart yeah. on the access. You want to be high into the right. You want to be top tall into the right. The Giants are bottom left, like light years ahead of any other team, and how inefficient they are on screen passes. Like this isn't just our imagination. This isn't just the eye test. This isn't just us being homers. They are the worst screen team in the history of the world right now. First play of the game was actually a successful one, if you want to call it that. I think it went yeah. for six yards, right? Wando Robinson motion set That's up behind the great. stack. That was a good screen right there, but um, I can't remember exactly who it was. It was either Slayton or Hodgins. The block was a little iffy, and then Keon White just made a good play on Wando. But other than that, you had Saquon drop one. Throw was a little high, still very catchable, didn't do anything. And then the Paris Campbell play. Look, Paris Campbell, a lot of people shit on Paris Campbell. You could say rightfully so. That wasn't a good throw by Tommy DeVito. No, no, no. And it wasn't, and I just still feel like with Paris Campbell, what, what am I going to judge him on? The fact that he does, he catches a screen and he's immediately tackled, like you're supposed to do more on that, I guess. Like, not really, though. Um, but, yeah, one more thing before. do you, uh, we, We've gone a little bit uh, long on this, though. I think it's all been good content, so I'm not really worried about that. I know some people want to get to the tape. I did want to talk about Brian Dable's comments on Tommy DeVito. So can we can we do that before we get to the tape, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. But before we do that, I also want to address something because people have asked about this before and I thought it was funny. Some people have seen me drink this before on the podcast, this like green drink that someone said was almost brownish to some extent. And now I kind of see why they mean by that. What do you think this is, Nick? What do I think that is? Uh, Is it some sort of blended herb? Basically, yeah. It's basically uh, so there's athletic greens. Have you heard of athletic greens? I have. Yeah. It's a different version. It's called Primal Harvest. I did some research online into which ones the best ones are. Um, and this one actually, you know, graded out higher than uh, Athletic Green. So if you see me drinking this weird greenish brownish drink, just know it's it's not poop water. I hope it's it's Athletic Green. So it doesn't taste too far off from I wouldn't know what poop water tastes like. So I don't know. <laughs> you almost walked right into that one, Dan. You almost walked right into that Devastating, one. devastating. That would have been a devastating one. It does look like oh, the Bears poop. just missed a 48 yard field goal in a dome. What are you doing? Get me a fourth win, you idiots. Sorry. I, I think it's I think us def- I don't know, though. The Bears could they could win games if Justin Fields is a 48 yarder in a dome, Nick. Come on, Cairo Santos does apparently. Yeah, that's that's their kicker. How about Justin Tucker's miss last night? That almost cost me. I was Ravens minus three. I was pissed when that happened. He missed like a 46 yarder. You're right. Luckily, I got that. I got that, uh, you know, non fit, you know, when the, you know, the players in the NFL, they, they have the long break touchdown at the end of a game and they, they take the knee like Todd Gurley or they go out of bounds. Uh, 
Devastating. Guess who didn't do that last night? Zay Flowers. He made yeah. all his fantasy managers happy because he's like, F it, I want my touchdown. It's about time. It's about time, Zay Flowers. You've been doing nothing the entire season. Mark Andrews stealing all your targets. Anyways, back to the New York Giants, though. Um, I have like some offensive line takes. We yeah. could probably wait till the end. I'll just say this right now during the superlatives, the best mm-hmm. player is not Andrew Thomas, and it's not because Jalen Hyatt had a, such a good game. Andrew Thomas, I didn't look up the PFF stats yet. I'm about to. It's, it's shocking. Was not great in this game. And according to PFF, he was elite. So, Really? Just, yes. Elite grade for PFF. I'll find it for you right now. The PFF stuff, it just doesn't seem to align a lot of the times with what we see on the film. Uh, PFF had Thomas as their second highest best graded player with an 89.5 grade, which is really high. That's surprising. That's surprising. He gave up the two sacks and it wasn't like the cheese dick sacks that have been attributed to him in the past. It was like, he kind of got beat there. And I don't think Andrew Thomas had a bad game per se, but the standard for Andrew Thomas is so high that you expect him not to lose around the edge. And he lost a couple of times, had a couple of bad run. Yeah. I'm a little, um, I'm a little surprised by that. Second highest grade is, is not where I would have it personally. I find myself surprised by pro football focus all the time in their grades. So it is what it is from that standpoint. But I will say this, there is another player in the Giants offense line who I actually think had maybe his best career game. And I want to get your take on that a little bit later. That's a bit of a spoiler because then you can yeah. narrow that down. I'm sure. I mean, it's yeah. pretty easy to narrow that down, but you know, yeah. we'll spoil it. We'll bring it up later. So before we get to the tape breakdown, do you want, or sorry, you're going to say something. I was just going to say, it was fun to see Mark Lewinsky being the big, offensive uh, lineman tight end again and the Giants running towards him he's assumed the Nick Gates role I know we've seen this uh, already and then one other offensive line take Tyree Phillips that guy needs some sand in his ass bro how many times was he like right in the lap of Tommy DeVito just bull rushes from Keon White and whoever the hell else they had up front right into Tommy DeVito's lap weird because like you know I think aesthetically Nick for regular, you know, and I don't want to call regular fans. I'm a regular fan for everybody. It looks like he's doing a better job than Evan Neal. But I think that's only because aesthetically in our minds, when we see someone get beat around the arc, like up the arc, the way Evan Neal gets beat, it just looks so much worse to us than when you just see someone consistently getting walked back into his quarterback. But it's not good either way, I don't it, think. It's not good either way, but I'll say this. He gets walked back. He bends and he bends, but he doesn't really break. He's able to at least True. hold that True. defensive lineman up tight to him. And it's just like, hey, Tommy DeVito, figure it out from here. And that's right. kind of what uh, Tommy Phillips is, has been doing basically since he's assumed the role, but it has not been bad. It's been better than it's what I expected from Tyree Phillips because we like Tyree Phillips and then right. the Giants got rid of him. And I was like, why? Yeah. Unexpectedly. Due to it, their only other option, I guess, at swing. Just an odd, odd start to the odd. season there. And I will say this with regards to that, and we'll talk more about this in the podcast, especially that third and 16 play. Um, but I do really appreciate that Tommy DeVito doesn't escape pockets, man. He really, I mean, he takes stupid oh, sacks man. sometimes and he doesn't process, but I love that his plan is not just like roll to the right and cut off half the field. Like I see some quarterbacks do. His plan is like manipulate that thing, do your best to manipulate it. He's not the most athletic guy. He's not the biggest guy. So he's not the greatest manipulator of the pocket. But then when it flashes big, like that third and 16 play, you're like, holy shit, this is elite level manipulation of a pocket. And if you had escaped to your right, the play's dead and you're never hitting Jalen Hyatt for that first down. The third and 16 play was one of the better quarterback plays I've seen from a New York Giants quarterback all season. The and fair I don't think that's ridiculous. And, and, that's, fair. and then, you know, people might hate that comment, but it's true. It, it's more so not just the throw, which the throw was good. It wasn't perfect, yes. but it was a good throw. It was how he avoided the rush at the top yes. of the arc, reset his feet, 
and still fired the football. Very, very impressive. Like I said, man, if the number one pocket manipulation, if the number one, if Bryce Young did that in week one, that stuff would have blew up Twitter. It's like yeah. that type of play. You know, right. and we're getting this from a UDSA Tommy DeVito. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get to some film breakdown, Nick, but I do want, I mean, we didn't get a chance to discuss Brian Dable's comments on Tommy DeVito. And I know you posted a clip of one of them. Let's talk a little bit about yeah, that right here, now. Let, let's, let's run the, we'll run it right now. And then, uh, and then we'll get into what we think. One thing with him is you know, he doesn't hesitate to let it rip downfield. How important yeah. is that for a quarterback and just for an offense to be able to get those plays? Yeah, see it, let it go. Um, trust your eyes. I say be intelligently aggressive. You know, so I think he, you know, he had a little kind of faded just go route. They were playing cover two to Hyatt on the left-hand side. Um, high level throw, you know, we were just talking about it upstairs, exactly what he saw, why he went there. Um, he's got good field vision. Usually when he comes off the sideline, Dan, he's, he can articulate what he sees. Which is not always the easiest thing, whether it's for young quarterbacks, even older quarterbacks. But hey, I put it here because I saw this guy move. I, you know, the safety didn't open his shoulders. He stayed square. He was at 12 yards. I figured I had a chance to get it in there. And most of the time, um, most of the time, he sees it you know, the way it is after you're watching on tape, which is always a, a hard thing to do. Or he can come off to the sideline and say, "Hey, this is why I didn't do this," or "Man, I screwed this up. I should have let this one go or got it out a little quicker." So, uh, but it's all. I think all the. You know, the reps that he has had the last couple of weeks has, has helped him. Um, you know, he's got to try to keep improving them. Dave, when you set out to your developmental plan, I mean, sure. you saw Tommy as a developmental prospect. You couldn't have foreseen what happened ahead of him at the position. Does it hurt that process, or has this acceleration almost helped him come along faster because of what you've had to do? Um, I think every situation is different. You know, it was different when I had Josh. It's different with Tommy. Um, you know, again, he's had two. I think that's the, the, the third guy that doesn't get a ton of reps out there other than, you know, he goes over and maybe throws one-on-ones with the tight ends and running backs at times, or he goes over there with CJ on a separate time and, and goes through some of the plays in his head. Um, the meetings that I had, I, I do that because you got to spend so much time with these other quarterbacks to get them ready. It's a, it's a demanding position, um, and it takes a lot to prepare for a game. So you're devoting everything you got to – you know, the first guy, the second guy, and you never want the third guy to feel uh, left out at all. So that's, I think those meetings that we have um, have been important. Um, I got to know him a little bit. He gets to know me. And now when he's in there, he's when there with Shea and Kafka all the time. And uh, But we still do our stuff. Um, but again, you know, he's played only a few games, long way to go, but he's got the right mindset. He's, he's done a good job. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons, and one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform, and it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. 
I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit matchup to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order on... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Line during our pizza pizza pregame. One hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit-style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. This November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered straight to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess, easy to go, very convenient, ultra tasty. Head to factormeals.com slash bigbluebanter50 and use code bigbluebanter50 to get 50% off. That's code bigbluebanter50, all one word, at factormeals.com slash bigbluebanter50 and you get your 50% off. Dan, I love that. We're talking about 
an individual. Yes, he's undrafted. I get all that. But these are things that we would never know. Right? We never talk to Tommy DeVito on the sideline. And Brian Dable, you don't hear Brian Dable gush or talk a lot about the the intri- intricacies of some of his players, right? Brian Dable, he's pretty curt. He's pretty terse. A lot of times doesn't really give you all that much. Here he's sitting there like, dude, this kid has excellent recall and he does a fantastic job articulating what he sees on the football field. I think that is an invaluable trait to have because if you can articulate what you see, what you perceive, then your coaches can coach that out of you or find another way to get around that mistake that you keep happening because that's what you're seeing. It's it's a communication effect, right? If you can communicate what you see to your coach, then your coach can fully understand your deficiencies and your strengths. I think that is such an underrated trait for a quarterback. I completely agree with you, Nick. And I think a lot of this goes back to the age old question that we ask literally every former quarterback who's joined the show in the past and every quarterback evaluator, which is post snap, what a quarterback sees, how he processes, can it be improved on or is a lot of it natural? And to me, when you hear stuff like this, it feels like a lot of it is natural. And that's kind of the way I felt like it was broken down throughout this entire presser with Brian Dable with regards to Tommy DeVito and how he sees a field naturally and how he can process information post snap very naturally. I mean, he talked about how he met with Tommy DeVito to review the video clips from Sunday's game. And that's a weekly tradition that started all the way back in training camp. You don't hear that a lot, right? A coach meeting with a third string UDFA quarterback who was not even part of the plan at all at the start of the season was probably going to be on the practice squad all year at the start of the season. And that started in training camp. They go over film every single morning in to, to, uh, starting in training camp. And it's helped him develop that rapport uh, with DeVito, which I think was really important to, you know, how he's been able to come along so fast. And he even said, it. he's like, look, the plan for DeVito was accelerated. And what he's been able to see has also been accelerated in a lot of ways because of how fast DeVito can, you know, process these defenses, see things on the field post snap that, you know, maybe give him a little bit of an edge. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, as did I, man. You'd love to hear it. Those are the types of uh, little things that we'll never know. Because I, right. I don't know how, how a quarterback communicates with his coach. How the hell would we yeah. ever know that on the outside? Yeah. And the fact that Dable even gave that to us was something I was like, oh, Dable. Okay, open it I up think- a little bit there, bub. Yeah, we don't get that a yeah. lot from him, but we did get that in this regard. We have a quarterback who wears a cornicello who is from New Jersey and is a paisan. I don't know how I haven't just like, I don't even know, like thrown myself into something. Like this is awesome. This is so Nick Filato. This is so North Jersey Italian. So cool. And um, and it's awesome too. And New York, we'll, we'll, we'll accept the New yeah. Yorkers, even though I got to say this about the New Yorkers, my, my New York brethren. When I worked for a bunch of New York sports teams, mm-hmm. I would consistently take shit for being from New Jersey, never understood it. I absolutely love being from New Jersey. I have a lot of pride in being from New Jersey. So do I. Why is it, and you can at me on Twitter, what is it? Well, why is there so much hate? Was I just around the wrong people? Because it was like everybody, and it became I like a butt of a lot of it started around the time of the Jersey Shore show. I think that's really oh, what's evolved and just crushed our reputation. It's just absolutely buried our reputation as New Jerseyans. I really do believe that because I heard a lot. I've heard a lot of it throughout my entire life. I've heard a lot of it, you know, dating back to when I start to think, when did this start? Oh, it did start kind of around the time of the Jersey Shore show. A TV show really destroyed our reputation. Obviously, you know, half those people, if not all those people aren't even from New Jersey. So it's like idiotic. They're mostly from Staten Island, I believe, which yeah. The reputation out there is what it is, but it shouldn't be the same as New Jersey's reputation. That doesn't don't apply that to us. And yes, break that run, Roshan Johnson. Get out there, score a touchdown. He didn't, but he's moving the ball. Give me a Bears win. Give me a Bears win. I need it after this weekend. But 
let me just say that, Nick. But yeah, so I don't know, but I agree with you on that. And I do love that uh, they play the uh, Sopranos theme song uh, at, at MetLife Stadium <laughs> when they introduce Tommy DeVito. Just a very little cool wrinkle in, a, in, in an otherwise not so fun season to get that. And one final thing before we get to the tape, I did think it was interesting what Dable said about Jalen Hyatt as well. He said mm. Jalen Hyatt came to him at one point in the season and was like, what's wrong with me, man? What am I doing wrong? Like I was so productive every week at Tennessee and I'm not doing anything here. And Hyatt credited Dable for giving him confidence that just keep working your ass off, work, 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 work. And that work will eventually pay off. And that's exactly what happened with his hundred yard game this weekend. It's hard work paying off that to me, both those instances, what Dable talked about. I wish he had more of this, you know, I don't feel like he's giving away too much and saying any of this, Nick. And I think it goes a long way in us understanding what kind of player coach he is and what kind of relationships he's building with these players. Because, you know, there are still Giants fans who are like, I don't know about Brian Dable. I kind of want to get rid of him. And I'm just like, I don't really agree with that at all. And these are the types of things that make like that's great coaching in both instances, both with DeVito and with Hyatt. And let's be honest, like I'll call it out because Dable won't, but I'll call it out, Nick. It wasn't Hyatt's fault that he wasn't producing stats beginning of the year. Let's be honest about the situation. That was not on Jalen Hyatt. He was open every – I've said it on Twitter this past week. Every single game I've watched on tape, Jalen Hyatt has been open. Every single game, at least one instance. Most of the time, it's one to two to three to four plays a game. Ball doesn't come his way a lot. It started to come his way this week. Good. We want to see more of that. But I can't blame a receiver in those instances. Yeah, let's see more of it. And uh, I've been impressed with what we've seen from Jalen Hyatt. And we'll start – right there with a 29 yard gain from Jalen Hyatt first and 10 13 51 in quarter one you're going to see Jalen Hyatt he's going to be at the bottom of your screen and we're going to see him just run this horse now watch how he maneuvers first off around these defenders you have the one defender step down off of the I guess you want to call it like a play action look he steps down Jalen Hyatt goes over the top of him he sees the other defender gain depth goes in between him and then the other linebacker turns his hips towards Jalen Hyatt and Jalen Hyatt just explodes right around him you can see right now Jalen Hyatt knows he's going to break open because the the flat defender is held in place by I think that's Daniel Bellinger I'm not 100% certain regardless of the fact DeVito sees the clear out and then just fires yes. and that's ho drag swag right there behind Sterling Shepard's dino stem route. This is a nice route. We talk a lot about Sterling Shepard's route running at the top of the screen. Look, run going to dino stem. A dino stem is when you break to the outside, open up the hips and then explode back to the inside off the clear out. You can see how he has a little bit of leverage too. the explosiveness isn't there, but you can see how he has leverage and that just really opens up the horizontal cross for Jalen Hyatt to toe tap like that. Yeah, excellent example of a few things here. One, what people have questioned, which is Jalen, I'm sorry, Brian Dable and Mike Kafka's ability to scheme and to get receivers open. Here you see him do an excellent job of a route combination that clears out that side of the, that space on that side of the field to create that opportunity for Jalen Hyatt. You also see here a really nice pocket from the Giants offensive line. Look at what DeVito's standing in there. I personally think this is actually not one of DeVito's best throws of the game. In my opinion, this is probably... Not one of his, I won't go as far as saying one of his worst, but he could do it from that pocket, Nick, from that base. I feel like he could throw a better, you know, any, you know, a great quarterback and maybe throw a better on target football and but that could potentially lead to yak just because the pocket was so clean. But who cares? What I'm pointing out here is the pocket was nice. And then the final thing, which is Jalen Hyatt, man, extending away from his frame, hands catch, not body catch, and then tapping and dragging the toes. Those are all really good traits to see from a guy who was, in some people's minds, just a one-trick pony, as some people said, going into you know the draft season. And now you're seeing so many traits on tape. Like, look at that extension away from his frame there. It's really pretty looking, in my opinion, when you watch it on tape. It's very pretty looking. And I also like having 
Daniel Bellinger here because Daniel Bellinger is going to help Tyree Phillips, right? I'm going to block, I'm going to block. And then he releases into the flat. And what does that release into the flat do? It holds that defender in place that we were going over just before. You can see how the defender, he's asked to respect Daniel Bellinger. He slows down near that 45-yard line, turns his hips back towards the line of scrimmage as Jalen Hyatt gains depth, gets open, completed pass versus zone coverage. Absolutely love to see it. Also, DeVito's eyes on this play. It's one other thing I wanted to highlight. DeVito's yeah. eyes. Watch. He goes into the mesh point, drops back. Stripe of his helmet is at these safeties, right? He's watching. Yep. He's watching. He sees Hyatt come open. It's a lot of patience. Clean pocket. Again, got to give credit to the protection there. But still, a lot of patience there. Good timing. Throw could be a little bit better, but good overall play from Tommy D. Yeah, great. That's a great point by you on the processing of that play as well. Now we're going to see, oh man, here's a whole wow. shot against cover two. First and 10. Last time you can, I'm going to ask you, Nick, when's the last time you remember this exact type of play? And I don't want to hear like, you know, something similar. I want to hear cover two defense, whole shot, because I'll be honest, I'll qualify it by saying this, Nick, and it's a fair qualification. The Giants don't face cover two that often, you know? So that is part of the equation here. But I just racking my brain to remember a time I've seen the quarterback take this whole shot against cover two. So there have been different types of hole shots against cover two. We had Daniel Bellinger hole shot against cover two defense, Patrick Graham and the Raiders, but that was a sale concept. That was a corner route. It's a right. little bit different here. This is just no, I mean your, on this, this route, the vert route. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, just, this. just a vert. It, not often. I, I feel like I'm forgetting one, but it, it's not often. And here, this is a beautiful release by, by Jalen Hyatt. And you can see how he just works into it. And then he just expands, expands, still maintains the red line. Like he's not too tight yep. to the, to the sideline here. And he just gives Tommy DeVito a lot of space to put this football. And I think this is a very good throw by Tommy DeVito. It's high. It'll, it allows Jalen Hyde to climb, still get both of his feet in bounds, but you could see where this is placed. Who's making a play on that football with yes. the safety. That's a deep half safety flowing over the top. And you have that defender who is a flat defender who is gaining depth. You need that ball ultimately placed, but this is placed in a point where no one is making a play on it except for Jalen Hyde. It's an amazing throw. When you consider the ball placement of this throw, when you consider the velocity that also was necessary on this throw, two things that came in. Like you said, if you throw that thing a few inches in front, the safety makes a play on it. A few inches to the right, the safety makes a play on it. With a little less velocity, the safety makes a play on it. With different trajectory, Nick, maybe higher trajectory or lower trajectory, the corner might make a play on it. But when you put it like you did here, and I know the pocket's clean. People are going to say, look how clean the pocket is. Great. That's what we want. We want clean pockets for the Giants quarterbacks. I'm happy about seeing that. Um, but regardless, when you see that type of throw, man, that's that's special. And I do want to also give credit to Jalen Hyatt, who once again shows an example of extending away from his frame and making a hands catch. Absolutely. And let's go back to the the um, prior to the play. We have Wondell Robinson. This is a mirrored stack. And you can't really see the mirrored stack, but it's a mirrored stack, meaning there are two stacks on each side of the line of scrimmage and Wanda Robinson is going to explode to form a bunch to the field side. And then he's just going to get lateral, expand that defender, that curl def or that a flat defender outside the numbers. And you're basically going to have a spacing concept to the top of your screen. If DeVito wants that, he has it against zone, find the soft spots in the zone, get open, pick up six yards. But DeVito says, nah, I'm going to take the backside X. Now I'm going to take Jalen Hyatt on this vertical route. I'm going to take my free access, know he's going to be open, put a catchable ball out there, and that's exactly what happens. I'd love to see the the um, confidence and the decisiveness yes. from DeVito to do this. And you could see how he reads the front side first. Now, this yep. could be just to hold the safety, and he knows the entire time he is going to Jalen Hyatt. That's plausible, to be honest. But if he had someone wide open, he would throw it. But he's like, nah, I don't love what I see. 
over there. Let's go and see what's going on. Held the safety long enough. Football out. Catch. First down. And I think ultimately, Nick, it's an even better sign if he was just looking there to hold the safety and was never considering going play side for the spacing concept. Because I've seen far too many plays in my Giants tenure, play side, spacing concept, six-yard gain, or the receiver gets hit, tipped up in the air. Just not too many amazing things happen from those plays. Sometimes you complete it and you move the, ch- the sticks. But I feel like he was made his mind up and he read this bright pre-snap and I just love to watch that play again. We'll throw it one back one more time real quick. I know you've been, you went on to the next one. I just want to see it one more time from that angle. Just watch how, how very clean everything is from Tommy DeVito from the drop back phase to the throw. It's clean footwork. It's clean ball delivery. There's not much wasted movement. There's not many wasted steps. He's decisive and he gets the ball out there. Just like Brian Dable said, he sees it. He rips it. He sees it and he rips it. And look, dude, that, that is, that is a good little touch on it, right? But you can also see it has some zip to it, too. It's not it's not a lollipop. So, again, we're going to have mirrored stacks. This is quarter one. It's a first in, in 10. I think it's like 335 left. I think the 35 got cut off. But what are you going to have? You're going to have a sprint out smash concept to the field side where Wanda Robinson, who is the motioning player from the stack to the bunch, is basically just going to release to the numbers and then curl to the outside, flow to the outside. Man coverage gets confirmed on this play. So with man coverage, you're going to have Miles Bryant coming across the formation to follow Wanda Robinson. At the snap, you can see Wanda Robinson has leverage to the outside. I think Miles Bryant does a phenomenal job closing with on Wanda Robinson at the catch and making an open field tackle here. But this play could have been even bigger. I think this is yes. just some of the um the reasons why we are applauding Brian Dable and Mike Kafka is because they are they are finding ways to just take advantage of cover one. Whatever the Patriots are doing defensively, the Giants are finding ways to attack it efficiently and effectively through pre-snap movement, pre-snap motion. I, I have a piece coming out on Big Blue View if anybody wants to check it out. It's, it's specifically about Wandell Robinson and the motion that was employed by the New England or against the New England Patriots by the New York Giants. And this is one of them right here because you're going to have the sprint out action. You're going to go into the mesh point. You're going to have Daniel Bellinger stay in from the bunch to block. Tommy DeVito is going to flow and you're going to see the smash concept. You're going to see the quick hitch from Wondell Robinson. You see seven over the top, but Tommy DeVito doesn't wait for that seven to come open right. because he saw the leverage that Wondell Robinson had. It's just Miles Bryant made a really good open field tackle and play on the football. But I love this play call by the Giants, even though it was only like a six yard game. Yep. Great, great breakdown. And now we're going to have the second or the first play of the second quarter, first and 10. It's an incompletion to Shepard. By the way, before you get there, just something I noticed here on this play and the last breakdown and you brought up earlier, and I just hope that people can notice it as well, is just look at the difference in all these different pre-snap motions here. This is an orbit motion. Like You see such a nice variety of pre-snap motion in this game. And it's also the little um, tasks that Dable and Kafka have DeVito doing. Like This is a pre-snap motion orbit. Very important to the play. So you're going to run Wando Robinson on the orbit, and then you're going to fake pump fake it too, right? Look at Tommy DeVito, pump fake the orbit. What does that do? This is a cover three defense. The curl flat defender is going to fly towards the line of scrimmage. Wando Robinson is about what? Six yards behind the line of scrimmage. Miles Bryant now, the curl flat defender, is going to step down maybe like two yards in front of or behind the line of scrimmage to close with on Wondell Robinson off that pump fake. So what does that do? It opens up space for Sterling Shepard because you're going to have number one, Jalen Hyatt. He's going to clear out the deep third defender against the cover three. Number two, Sterling Shepard. He is going to release outside of the numbers, kind of follow Jalen Hyatt, and then just sit right by the NFL sign, right by that NFL insignia. And there's no one there to really react to that because the deep third defender is cleared out. And the Wando Robinson pump fake route off the orbit motion drew the curl flat defender away from his area. Beautiful scheming yep. 
from the Giants. Unfortunately, Sterling Shepard couldn't hold on to it. And I know people will be like, oh, this throw wasn't perfect. I think this throw isn't that bad. It's a little low, but you want to get it in there quick. Catch that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a very catch. You know me. One. I like to take a receiver's side, but this one I agree is more of a drop. You got to catch that ball. Absolutely, man. And I just I just loved this this play design and this play call. The Giants, design, dude. The Giants used Orbit twice. And the other time, I think I might have it in here, uh, is when uh, I think Daniel Bellinger ended up coming wide open on the play. So just great play design. And it's also, this is a, a field side throw from Tommy yeah. DeVito, right, man? That's, that's a far way to go. And I love that the Giants are trusting him to make these types of uh, field throws. side throws. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously a shorter throw, but the touchdown to Hodgins was also from the far hash. I mean, it's a shorter throw, but still he's lined up on the far hash for that throw, as we'll see a little bit later. But yeah, man, it's I love the intricacies with the pump fake that that that, that you broke down, Nick. I think that's really just such a cool thing to see. And you also have a, a pulling guard to the to the other side to help Daniel yeah, Bellinger out. Also could sell run with the play action sure. element. You also have an order. There's just a lot to process is my point for for the uh, Patriots. Yeah. Defense. Yep. And now we're now we're going to have um, the third and eight play to to Jalen Hyde. And Ooh. there's nothing from a from a scheme perspective that we're like, oh, wow, that's great. this is just a great individual play. But I'll say this. How many drag routes is Jalen Hyatt ran this season? No, like six. Not- Right, not what we expected. We 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 thought there was going to be a lot more because the preseason yeah. they, they tried it, and I remember I think it was the Jet or the Carolina game that they played them very well. Like Jalen Hyde didn't do anything yes. on either of his catches, and these are air raid concepts: three by one, run the drag underneath the clear outs, and that's exactly what happens. Look, Jalen Hyde catches this football, and then the closest defender is that's like nine yards away. Right. He has a lot of space, and he just shimmies gets right around him, picks up the first down. You got to love that, man. Yeah, that stop and start ability from Jalen Hyatt is truly special. Truly special. And uh, you just got to see more yeah. of this, man. You gotta like, see I just more love how he does that, where he can just like break down like that and sink his hips. And you see it on the double moves on the vertical plane, but now you see it on a drag route when he's caught the ball on a post-catch experience. Like that ability to just sink, drive in, and then accelerate out of that, it's just awesome. Like, look at that, man. That looks so damn good. Looks so damn good. No, you're right, man. And uh, the next, the next third down, because that was a third and eight conversion. Very important in this game where every point really mattered. This is a third and ten, and it's the touchdown to Isaiah Hodgins field side throw, just like you said. And Isaiah Hodgins, this is a beast move yes. by Isaiah Hodgins. But look how the Patriots are also playing it, man. I know Ooh. the leverage. I was so shocked by this. The leverage you have slightly inside leverage, ass to the. As to the uh, middle of the field. So I'm guessing the Patriots, they're playing off leverage, but they're playing divider rules as well. I guess they are trusting this cornerback to force Isaiah Hodgins towards the sideline, use the sideline against the New York Giants offense, and then force, if it's a fade pass, a pass over the top of the defender. And they don't trust Tommy DeVito to do that. But Isaiah Hodgins just runs and stops at the numbers, goes inside. The cornerback is late to react. Tommy DeVito gets a football out to him, and then he spins outside of the tackle, stiff arms him to the ground, yeah. and picks up the touchdown. I love oh. the fact that the Patriots kind of took a risk here. They were like, all right, I don't think Tommy DeVito is going to make that field side throw. It's right. this short of an area. This is not a lot of space. They're probably not going to do that. Well, Tommy DeVito said, bet, as the kids say. He's a kid. He might say that. I don't know. He's Italian. Do Italians say that? I have no idea. But the football is delivered on time, and then he just allowed his receiver to do the rest. Beast play by Hodgins. That's a great, interesting observation by you as well, Nick, to this idea that, you know, a lot of defenses have just given the Giants the field side saying, we don't really think you're going to threaten the field side. We'll scheme around it because we know we can use resources elsewhere and have a really good chance. And he said, you know what? I'm going to throw this throw. I know you don't expect me to make it, but I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And it's a from a three by one nub set as well with Saquon to that nub side. You have him in protection. 
the Patriots blitz. They bring heavy blitz and it's picked up well. Nice pocket for Tommy DeVito. I think I might have the uh, end zone copy if anybody wants to see that. But you're going to see good blitz protection from uh, pass protection, I should say, from Saquon Barkley. It doesn't really need to do, I guess, all that much. But still, he was in position to do it. And right. I absolutely just I appreciate the play. And now we're going to get into this <laughs> third and 16, man. 640 left in quarter three. This is just Ooh. an insane play by Tommy DeVito. Look, look, the throw is is very good. It's not perfect. It's very good. But it's very what good. he does in the pocket. You can see it a little bit from the sideline angle, how he hits his back foot, feels the pressure, steps up, talks the football kind of just above his groin. Yep then resets his feet and fires, man. All very quick, all very swift, right? And so many quarterbacks it. here breaking pocket, dude, escaping and ruining the play. So many, man. That's that's an insane that's an insane play from a first-round quarterback, let alone an undrafted yes. kid. Catches the football. Now we'll watch. You have two guys barreling around the edge, and they're winning. Andrew Thomas is losing this rep pretty badly. Tommy DeVito hits his back foot, tuck the football above the groin, so keep good. it safe, protect it. And then reset your feet as John Michael Schmitz is getting backed into him, and then fire the football, very catchable football, away from the coverage, away from the safety. Perfect. Or I would say placed very well, optimally placed, maybe not, but placed very well. And then very just well. allowed Jalen Hyatt to do the rest, man. Beautiful play from Tommy DeVito and Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, a couple more things on that. You said earlier this might be the best play a quarterback's made on tape for the Giants this season. I would agree with that. I would also say it's undoubtedly the best example of pocket manipulation we've seen from a Giants quarterback this season. Undoubtedly. So I don't even think it's up for debate, and it's not up for debate. You can claim it is, but it's not. So just a great example of pocket manipulation, something we talk about a lot on this podcast when we evaluate quarterbacks. Makes a big difference, man. You can manipulate a pocket like that and not just break and escape it and panic when Andrew Thomas loses his rep like that. You're going to give yourself a chance to make a play like that, dude, because let's be honest with the whole entire situation, Nick. If that dude escapes right there, Tommy DeVito, to his right, What's going to happen there? He's either getting sacked. He's either throwing out of bounds. He is never making that throw to Jalen Hyde if he escapes to his right. But by resetting the pocket, doing everything you said, stepping up through it, finding a new foundation point, a new landing spot to throw from, it gives you the opportunity to make that throw. And that's exactly what he did. I also want to say one more thing about it. Um, well, not from DeVito's standpoint, so maybe you want to show something here and you could roll through this. But I also thought it was a really great route by Jalen Hyatt in my opinion, on that play. Like, I thought he just did a good job of manipulating space, tempoing the route, and getting himself in that position he could to make that catch. Absolutely. Yes, and I can go over that in, in a little bit, or people can roll back and view it, but sure. I think that's a very good observation. I just wanted to bring up this, because we saw a lot of outside zone in this game, and the Giants have run outside, outside zone. zone. They ran, I think they opened their first running play of the second half was a counter run, but they didn't run much counter in this game. Not, not a lot of power gap, a lot of outside zone, and John Michael Schmitz, he's a plus as an outside zone blocker. He's a plus as a, as a, as a power gap blocker, but watch what he can do to the one technique who is one shaded to the front side. Watch this block by John Michael Schmitz, how he cuts this angle off and allows Saquon Barkley to go right past him. Look, I get it. It's not a successful run, but you got to look at every individual and how they execute yes. their assignments. John Michael Schmitz is, is, is good at these, at these front side blocks, man, holding up the point attack, getting like really like, watch how low his hips get. And as yep. he's able to control and steer this block and just hold this defender in place long enough to allow Saquon Barkley to hit the hole. And then he finishes the block with some tenacity as they say. So man, I was really impressed with John Michael Schmitz and his ability to execute these outside zone blocks all game. And we could say it now, even though, you know, it'll discuss it. We'll touch on it a little bit in the superlatives, Nick, but this was the best game I thought John Michael Schmitz had on tape in his career with the Giants. And I'll say this about John Michael Schmitz because it's something that we discussed a lot in the pre-draft evaluation, Nick. 
I always felt like the movement skills that a lot of people liked and talked about, I was curious if they would translate to the NFL level. The reason I said that is I've seen a lot of Big Ten football in my life, Nick, and I've seen a lot of those guys. The speed of that game to me is just so different than the speed of the NFL game. I even feel like, you know, it's obvious the speed of the SEC game is so different than the speed of the NFL game. Look at Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Look at DeAndre Baker and those failed situations coming from the SEC. But the Big Ten to me was a big one. And I'll say this, Nick, because you never know with these projections, right? Like you could say like, oh, maybe it won't happen. Maybe it will. There's no way to know until you watch them on film at the NFL level. But I'll say this, Nick, I am fully a believer now that he can move at the NFL level. He is a natural mover with his feet, with his lower half. And it just looks really good on tape. It looks like something I haven't seen at the center position from the Giants from just a pure movement skills standpoint in a very, very long time. Um, so I wanted to make that clear that this is one of those examples of you make the projection on these players. You don't really know what's going to happen based on their college tape. You can get a guess. But when you see at the NFL level, you can start to formulate your opinion on how it will translate. And I think we're at the point with John Michael Smith where we can say he can move with NFL defensive linemen really well. Oh, he's a good mover. He's a fluid mover. I, I've been very impressed very with his movement skills. It's not that he's winning all of his blocks. He He's taking his lumps yes. as, as a rookie. I think it's safe to say. Remain very optimistic about his future as a New York Giant. One last play I wanted to bring up because I, I said it was in the in the montage, if you want to call it that, but it was not. And this is the missed Daniel Bellinger play. I just love it. Again, from a scheme perspective, you have a bunch yep. now to the field side. You're going to motion the number three, the inner guy to the boundary side where the nub tight end is and Saquon Barkley is also on that side. So this is all happening just before the snap. And then at the snap, what are you going to do? This is something the Giants did the entire game. They're going to take Wondell Robinson. They're going to release him vertical about four or five yards. Then he's going to explode out towards the sideline. That's going to expand the cover three defenders. And the cover three defender, assuming Wondell Robinson, because the first four to five yards was vertical, the deep third defender is assuming Wondell Robinson. Jabril Peppers, He's supposed to be, I think, the curl flat defender. He also assumes Wandale Robinson because he sees Wandale Robinson go to the flat, and that's his responsibility. And then nobody takes Daniel Bellinger, who was the nub tight end. He was attached. He was the wide tight end. Nobody takes him. You can see Daniel Bellinger streak, and then they kind of yeah. realize it. I don't know if this would have been a touchdown. I think the defenders would have got Daniel Bellinger because he's at the 25-yard line. But the scheme led to the communication breakdown. And right. I just love how the Giants have, have constructed their offense in a manner in this game with this game plan to just take advantage of one of the better defensive minds of our era, of really any era. Because you have Saquon Barkley open here and you have Daniel Bellinger streaking wide open on a, on a scene right. route up the numbers. Yeah, so many options there uh, based on the scheme. Just another good example of what we've discussed on this podcast and we've hammered home. We are believers that these two are good coordinators, that these two are good offensive schemers, and that they're doing a good job on tape, regardless of what the point totals say. Let's get to the superlatives. All right, let's do it. Some superlatives from this game, Nick. I'm going to let you start with, let me just scroll on oh, up. Scroll up on Harold, the player of the game. We already kind of tipped our hand here, but for me... It's John Michael Schmitz. John Michael Schmitz had a lot of quality blocks in the run game, and he was not an indictment in pass protection. Was he perfect? No, but he was a, a good overall football player up front for the Giants, sturdy, and uh, I just absolutely love what he can do on the outside zone play. So easily for me, John Michael Schmitz had a good game. Yeah, John Michael Schmitz unheralded player of the game for me as well. I wanted to give a hat tip to, oh, obviously I can't give the award to, but I wanted to give a hat tip to Isaiah Hodgins because that touchdown was a really great individual play by him. I know he only played 18 snaps in this game. He doesn't see a lot of snaps anymore, but it wasn't just that. There was a play, I believe, the first run play of the game or the first run successful run play. I remember Hodgins did a really good job blocking on the outside there on the boundary. I just love to see that on tape. So I'll give it on Harold. He only had 18 snaps and he made 
big impact in those 18 snaps, but it would still be JMS. How about your favorite route on tape or the best route in your mind? So Hodgins is your unheralded, unheralded player. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep making subcategories here. The best route. Look, the U2. The, the, the Hyatt 3rd and 16 is an easy one to choose. I think the Hyatt 22 yarder is another one, but I'm going to go with any freaking whip route that is run by Wondell Robinson. I don't know yeah, how you cover it because he sells it so damn well. And Miles Bryant, I don't really know anything about Miles Bryant. He might suck. And he was beat on the one, but there was another whip route a little bit later in the game. He was on top of it. And I was like, damn, because it didn't look like Wandell really struggled. I think the contact might have thrown him off, but I just absolutely love Wandell on the whip. And we know the whip is um in the pivot routes are very um that they could be used very effectively against man coverage. So I'm gonna go with that. The whip. I like when people pronounce I love when people pronounce the the words that start with WH with the whip. What are you doing? When are you doing it? So you love so. that like family guy skit with Stewie Griffin, the cool whip? Yeah, yes, I do like that. I do like eh, I shouldn't say I like that. I have never seen that skit. You know me, I'm not a family guy guy. I bring him the good news today. <laughs> no, That's yeah, family guy. <laughs> um you know, the thing with Family Guy, Nick, uh ever since I saw the South Park episode on Family Guy, I've just really had soured toward family guy because <laughs> it was just a total dismantling. You know, the manatee yeah. is in a, is in a pit. He knocks a one ball. It's like, boom, the first ball, 1979, the second ball in scotch plains, the third ball, blah, blah, blah was doing blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's their whole humor. They just do these dumbass flashbacks related to nothing. And they just can use the whole world then. And like, I get it. Like you can say like Rick and Morty does something similar in the sense that they can use the whole universe, but Rick and Morty is so much funnier to me. Like, it's just like, and so much more creative. It's so well. much more creative. In my the entire universe. Yeah. It's not just like Petrich farm remembers. Haha. <laughs> it's like these creative ideas. Right. Like the devil comes to town and, you know, Rick opens up a store next to him that reverses all of his curses. Like oh, that's, that's such a good one. You know, that's like such a good one level of logic and not logic cleverness to it. So, yeah, yeah. that's my we got. Right and and South Park is just South Park's just go. Oh, Matt yeah, Stone and Trey Parker are go. Absolutely. Don't know, Nick is like one of the biggest South Park fans in the history of the world. I feel like this dude just freaking loves South Park. And I respect him. my AIM username was South Park fan 1735 when I was a child. <laughs> I like it. Where the 1735 come from? I was number 35 as a safety and 17 was um, my, my birthday, January 17th. Okay, nice. I, I get it now. All right. Best route for me was the Jalen Hyatt third and 16. I just think he did a great job of tempoing the route. I think he did a great job of understanding spatial awareness on that route to give Tommy DeVito the opportunity. Once Tommy DeVito did all the things he did well, which Nick and I already broke down the manipulation of the pocket, you still need to find the receiver and the receiver needs to present himself to you, which I think Jalen Hyatt did an excellent job on that. How about the best throw on tape from you? I'm with the cover two, 22 yarder, high and away, allow your receiver to climb the ladder away from the safety, away from the flat defender. Don't allow any other player to make a play on this football except for Jalen Hyatt. So that's where I'm going. Yeah, I was between that one and the third and 16. I think that one's a little bit better than the third and 16 overall, though. Part of what made that third and 16 special was the manipulation of the pocket. So that's not related to what we're asking, which was the best throw. Best player on tape overall for you. Jalen Hyatt. There we go. Hyatt. Yeah, definitely, man. He uh, he was exceptional in this game. First receiver, first player to go over 100 receiving yards in the regular season since Wondell Robinson. Isaiah Hodgins actually did it in the playoffs. I think we yes. forgot, we omitted that uh, yesterday. No, I said regular season. I made it made it oh, clear you that that was regular okay. season. Yeah, Fox okay. messed that up because they said 19 games. They didn't qualify that it was regular season. I looked it up and Hodgins did it. Uh, one wow, Fox. Four, I believe. Yeah. What the F, Fox? <laughs> yeah. How can you do that? This is like that. That reminds me of like 
Yeah, when the people that that's how I feel when people are when when I make a point like we haven't seen a whole shot on vert against cover two and five. Yeah, someone's like actually in 2020 week 13. It's like, yeah, dude, you found one. Good for you, man. And what are we striving to get one per five years? Like, wake up, wake up and understand the point. Please start understanding the point. Like, that's the only thing that bothers me, Nick, when people bypass points and just like take it their own direction and just like make some comment like that. I'm like, dude please understand the point that people are making and try to respond to the point and not this little nitpick of a point. Oh, but, you know, I it's guess Twitter is that's it's a tough gonna place. Get a lot of it. It's a tough place. Uh, I'm giving it to Jalen Hyatt as well. Just phenomenal film. First, like Nick said already the stat on him, but it's not just that man, the plays he made. I mean, creates his own first down in my opinion on that third and eight. Like that is a big play in the game that, that you brought up Nick just in a 10, seven game. It's huge. I don't know that every receiver is going to be able to sink his hips, juke that defender and create that. I think a lot of receivers are trying to win the sideline there or maybe trying a stiff arm or something and getting tackled short. And we know on a fourth and one or fourth and two, that was going to be a field goal opportunity. So it was a huge play in the game. That wasn't even obviously his best play. Jalen Hyatt looked phenomenal in this game. I really, Nick, start to feel like we might have something special here, even though he was only a third round pick. And a lot of it was what we said earlier, Nick, which is like, yeah, like, from the film that we see, there's a lot of projection involved with Jalen Hyatt. There's a lot of things he didn't do at Tennessee. But again, that doesn't mean he can't do them just because he didn't yes. do them. And one thing I want to give you credit for, because you said it early when we had our first, I think it was our, we did a couple of Jalen Hyatt prods in the pre-draft process. One was Jalen Hyatt for Cedric Tillman. I remember we did that one. Mm. Uh, and on that podcast, something you said that I thought was really interesting was one thing that's underrated about his game was his ability to extend away from his frame and hands catch. And then I watched, started to watch more tape, and I was like, you know what? Nick is right about this. This is a great observation. And you know, I, me and you, I know we both believe that's a big trait for a wide receiver. Can you extend away from frame? Are you a hands catcher? Are you a Quinton Johnson type catcher? No, oh, oh, I shouldn't have taken that shot at the dude. But yeah, like you don't want those receivers who clap the football. Evan, you remember no. Evan Ingram earlier in his career was a big clapper of the football or let it get into your body. You want to extend away from frame to try and catch it like this. And you know what? Like he, that's something that he's shown on tape, Tennessee, and he's and he's, you know, backed it up here with more opportunities to do it with the Giants. So he's my best player overall. Absolutely. The Missouri game really gave it away too. the one catch where yeah. he adjusted his body. The ball was thrown behind him and he caught it. If you're watching on YouTube, like, like this, and I was like, how the hell you yeah. got to contort you? That takes a lot of tracking, a lot of concentration, yeah. a lot of fire. Yeah. His concentration is fire. That's another good thing. We never mentioned concentration, but that is part of the trade. Like he's shown great concentration on all these catches this year. I'm super high on Hyatt. And I don't think I was, I didn't originally expect to be, and I'm just really happy that, I've gotten to this point because it makes me excited about the future of this football team. Pass blocking one through 10 for you. This one, we actually have a little bit of a different grade on. I think we I'm saw changing. It. I'm changing mine a okay. little bit. I had a 5.1 initially because Andrew Thomas did not look great. Uh, Tyree Phillips did not look great. Ben Bredesen did not look great. JMS looked adequate. And then Justin Pugh, he was solid, right? Like nothing spectacular. I didn't feel like anybody was spectacular, but after going through some of the film, even on just this podcast, yes. reevaluating a little bit, I was like, those pockets were pretty damn clean. Pretty damn clean. So I'm going to give it up a six, six, two. I think, okay. I, I think I have to bump it almost like 1.1. I'm fair. I was just I disappointed to... in Andrew Thomas a little bit. And I don't want to say he did bad. It was just like four reps where I was like, I just, I haven't seen that in a while from, from... he's that good that we just don't normally exactly. see. And let's, and let's things. be honest about the situation, Nick. He's playing through basically a sprained or t- who knows how bad this MCL is. Like there was a point in the game where I believe it was Ryan Dunleavy who tweeted from the press box. He's like, holy shit. Uh, Thomas got up really limping hard after that play, like limping, limping, limping. And it's like, dude's playing through a, t- a sprained slash torn MCL. Like 
uh, you know, that's part of the factor here, which again, like I'm not the biggest fan of this whole idea, but it's what it is at this point. Like he, I understand what, what's happening here. He's like, you guys paid me. You made me your franchise player. A franchise player is supposed to be a leader. A leader plays through injuries. Cool. That's awesome. I get it. And I love it in a season where the giants are competitive in a season like this one. It's t- I'm, I'm iffy on it. I get it. But I'm also just like, damn, I hope this doesn't do future damage to him. Damn. I hope this doesn't lead to an off season cleanup cool. surgery. So if he were to get hurt, it's Justin Pugh being back oh, at left yeah. guard or left <laughs> tackle. tackle. Yeah. Eesh. It's just nuts. Like that's the state. I don't even know if they have another tackle on their depth chart. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think they do. It's wild, man. Heard, he can't play. It's a, it's a bad spot for the Giants at the difficult position from a depth standpoint, but there still is hope at both stars. And I'm giving a 6-4 because I think you nailed this. Individually, this wasn't a great game from the offensive line, but collectively it was. And something somebody pointed out to me on Twitter, which I thought was interesting, and you see it on the third and 16. You saw it on another play you broke down earlier, Nick. The Giants used more extra protection in this game, more players to help block. And I think that's just something they should do. I really like the idea of it, and I think it worked. How about run blocking grade? I had a 4.6 for the run blocking grade. Four one on the run. I didn't love the run blocking in this game at all. I think this is kind of goes back to what I just said, the reverse for the pass blocking. I felt like individually there were some great plays in the run game, but collectively I didn't feel like it was there. I also think the way the Patriots played the I Giants. Know, it's so hard to run on them yeah, in general. It, it's hard to, it's hard to run up the gut on White at defensive end. Like It's just hard yeah. to run on like these hybrid defensive tackle. End. The way Bill Belichick's defenses have always been set up, same with Saban, it's so hard to run on them. Plus, you have Kyle Duggar and Jabril Peppers, who are two very physical run defenders who, who did a good job filling the alley when they were tasked to. That's one of the reasons why the Giants were running everything outside the numbers, try to get one of them to over-pursue, set up juke opportunities, things like that. All right. That's all we have. This was a very fun one, Nick. This yeah, one was we've done all season long. I feel like we were on point in our analysis. I felt really good watching this tape in general before we even started the podcast, and I enjoyed it. This was fun to talk about. Finally, fun football is back. To an extent, and thank you to Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, Tommy DeVito, Jalen Hyatt, Andrew Thomas, all the people who played a role in that. Thank you. Because, look, there needs to be silver linings if the Giants are going to win games and, and, and burn their draft position, which is fine. I get it. But there needs to be some silver linings. This is an example of that. You see Hyatt's progression. You see John Michael Smith's having a career game, what I thought was a career game. You see Tommy DeVito making these balls, eight throws. Like, there, this is this. I like this, at, you know, I like this at least. You know, at least we get this. I, I can do it too, right? Yeah. Anybody can do it. You, of course, you can do it. I'm the one who's appropriating the culture by doing it. Oh, I wasn't saying it like that. I was just, uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. I haven't yeah. done this yet. And I don't even really know what it is just because we talk with our hands quite often, right? I guess yeah, that's it's why. Like, <laughs> it's like the, or, the, the, or is it also like you want to pinch of salt with it? Mm, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I like it. I like it. I don't know. I don't know. I like it though. All right. Thank you everybody for tuning in. That was a fun one. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed it as well. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.